0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey
1: I idolized Dominic Kasich. I played goalie because of Dominic Kasich. My life in hockey has been
0: Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 97, the Jeremy Roenick episode. Two goals, one mic. I'm Johnny Cullen, with my eyes open this time. Let's see how long that lasts. I'm <laughs> uh, Joined always by Dwayne Steinel. Dwayne, it's been a little bit since we've just had me and you on, but tons to talk about uh coming into the home stretch of the nhl season uh before we get to that how are you how's everything been going brother
1: not bad man uh still feeling some of the after effects of covid um just a little bit i'm like i'm not contagious or anything but like you know it's like whatever strand or variant you get man like when people tell you they're like you're never the same at least for not for a while afterwards they're not lying man like still calling
2: Well, lucky, I got it in the very beginning. I got it in January of two thousand one, like right yep. when, right before everything shut down. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because I was able to build up antibodies. Um. Yeah. But, you know, I was exposed numerous times, uh, even before I got the vaccine, and I was very lucky, knock on wood, uh, that I haven't. But I feel you, man. I've I've worked with plenty of kids who had, um, you know, just like heart de- like uh defects afterwards yep. like that they couldn't so i i definitely know what you're talking about and obviously we you know you hear about it from people about the the losing the sense of smell and taste yeah, obviously
1: I didn't, that didn't happen to me thank
2: god because the way i look at it our five senses or six senses um to me that's like superhumans If you look at like I'm a Marvel guy and I got into it in the past couple years, but if we were to really create a superhero, don't you think it would be somebody who could enhance their senses? Like yeah, that that would be sounds more feasible than like um, a mutation. I know,
1: I know, Superman. Superman has some of those abilities. Like I remember, like he has insane hearing, obviously eyesight. (laughs) He's from a different planet. He's Kryptonian. Well, yeah, that's true. My point
2: being is, I think the first superhero in our lifetime will be a genetically engineered baby who has the hearing of a, let's just say a bat who, who uses like the echo, the smelling of a canine, like a hound, uh, the vision of an owl, right? You know, with gene splicing yep. um, and what they're doing. Um, yep. And I don't know what the, who has a good taste, but let's just say a frog because they got the tongue that goes... Um, I think that's realistically what the first superheroes in the world will be. People might look at me like I'm crazy, but anybody that doesn't know, educate yourself on the advancements in gene splicing and um, it's really fascinating what's going on. Um, The name's slipping right now for me, but it's a way for them to edit the, the genome and splice gene sequences and do. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just anyways, uh, way off topic. I don't know how we got there. Um, but here was my question though, if that does happen, because we're starting to see, you know, couples having the ability to pick the sex of their baby pretty soon, we're going to be traveling down that line, of like being able to pick and choose what color hair or like, how will that affect pro sports when these, you know, genetically altered humans grow up? Right. Like, that's why I brought it up when you think about it. Don't you think that might have an effect in 20 years or am I crazy?
1: No, I mean, it, there's a very big possibility, I guess. I mean, <clears throat> um, I'm not, not even saying like conspiracy theories or really anything that, but like... It's not. I mean, I mean as, as technology advances, like, we, I mean, is it completely out of the realm of possibilities that something that could happen? No, I don't think so.
2: But do you think that if you're able to help, like, if you're able to gene splice and pick out your baby... Um, it, like pick out traits how can you like genuinely bet on a game when somebody has a superior advantage now up and until now yes people were born with god-given ability and they chose to work hard at it yeah what if you take that out of it and you can make an ivan drago in the lab right you know what i mean yeah like, what will the implications be 30 40 50 years down the line when we have superhumans playing in i don't know i don't know where that thought came from um no, I like it. Uh, the 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 word I was looking for uh, for for the gene splicing. Oh my god, it's 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 killing me right now. Um, anyways, not important. Let's get back to hockey. Um, a lot going on. We are first of all with the Sabers. If if you don't mind touching there, love to see some milestones get hit. Um, I think Owen Power. Is and and I heard Don Granato talk about it. I would have only wished that Don Granato was here with Darlene. Now, if yep. we saw, if we seen Darlene transform into an all-star, hundred percent. Have we seen him get the most points as a defenseman in the Sabres since Gary Galley in the
1: nineties? Yeah, we didn't say Phil Housley. I think he, I think. Wow, well,
2: like- Gary Galley had him 93-94. He was at uh, like fifty-three.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, well, yeah, 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 I remember. But so um how was,
2: was before Galley. My point My, being, if, if I didn't mean to cut you off, but if if we would seen this new Darlene, imagine in year five, imagine how much quicker he could have gotten there with Donnie at the helm, because when 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 Donnie was asked about Owen Power, like, hey, what 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 advice you know would you give him in the pregame scrum? He said. I didn't. I said, go out there and play. Get acclimated to the NHL. And, yep. and to me, we've seen Owen Power be Owen Power. Has he gotten beat? Yes. But that's yep. part of becoming an NHL player, an NHL regular. And as a first overall pick, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. But I love Granado's approach because I think we saw what happened when you kind of handcuff these world-class generational players. And it really hinders their development. We've seen what happens when the shackles come off with a Dahlin, with a Tage Thompson. Um, How do you think Owen Powers looked to you thus far? Yes, he's made mistakes. I love the way that he's in perpetual motion. He's jumping up that weak side on pinches better than anybody I've ever seen. Uh, It reminds me of a young Drew Doughty. I played against Drew for one year, and um, it was amazing just how he was able to pinch and then pivot and get back on defense. What is what is power surprise or what, what stuck out to you about Owen Power the most, Wayne?
1: Confidence. I think his confidence is through the roof. Um, I think sometimes even even you mean I guess <clears throat> there are a select few players that maybe in their first handful of games might feel a little bit more timid or you know, maybe just afraid to make a mistake. Owen power is not one of those guys. <clears throat> he's one of those
2: not to cut you off in our interview with him. Did it not strike you right away that he just doesn't seem like those, one of those type of kids. No, he's
1: not. He, he's not one of those kids. He's just not phased by pressure. And I think that's going to be huge, especially on a team like this. It's as young as us. And uh, you know, the culture that's being built to bring that type of a character into your locker room into again, to a very young locker room. I think that's going to, you know, help move the needle. A lot further than maybe some people maybe might have expected uh, when he when he would make his debut because I think that just the the swagger and the confidence he's been playing with since com- since making his debut like I, okay, I don't so think it's since said, his debut I think it's since he's well, first on the team. Well, I know, but since uh, best In best the example the I get what you're saying. Best example yeah. is when he got beat on... um. Against the Tarasen- was Tarasenko, yeah, yeah Vlad, the Vlad goal, goal, the Tarasenko goal, where he got he got, uh, he got caught, yeah, caught, yeah, caught puck watching, and Vlad came in and scored. Right, um, he didn't change anything about his game. He still went out there and played the same style of hockey. I think maybe one or two shifts later, he was still going to the net, playing playing aggressively. Like that's the sign of a true
2: elite player. Yes you don't change your game because of one mistake. Do you learn from it? Yes. But that's that's what after the game's for. Can you make in-game adjustments? Yes. But the Ryan Ellis's of the world that I played with, even after he made an egregious mistake, he yep. wouldn't dwell on it. Just like my whole, when I teach goalies, the next save mentality, because it doesn't matter if you just made the best save of your life or you let in the worst goal. You you can't control any of that. The only thing you can control is the next save. Exactly. So for them, it would be the next shift mentality. And I saw it firsthand with a few players, like Petrangelo, like Ellis. And Ellis, and, and I bring him up because uh, I know he hasn't been, like, a world-class player in the NHL, but he was the best player I've ever played with. For him to, to go out and make a mistake, which he didn't make many, but then come back the next shift – and just do it over again make the same play yep i see a lot of that in power
1: i do too i, I just i think i think when you're like a young player like that i think confidence is probably the most important like tool you can have right like just you know well,
2: not only confidence in yourself but confidence from the staff
1: right yeah oh well, yeah I mean, group. both go hand in hand you know you know you could tell don granado did not put a leash on him from from the moment he stepped uh, stepped on the ice for the first time, he says, "Go out there and do everything you did at Michigan, and you know, do it at do your the game, your style." And you know, he he has been, and you know, he he pinches, he goes the net, he um, he's not afraid to get involved offensively and rush the puck. Like um, you know, I, I can't wait to see because I know they've had uh, they've had. Uh, Darlene playing on the right side with Samuelson, which has looked really nice. I'm very interested to see if they toy around with maybe Darlene and Owen Power on a defensive pairing together. Just right, We'll
2: see situation. it. We'll see it. We'll see it sooner rather than later. Yeah. I bet you uh, go play around with it in summer at the summer skates before yeah. we see it. Um, well, well, on that note, um, I've been so impressed and I haven't felt this way in a long time since the days of the Jitnik, the of uh, you know, since yep. when has our top four looked so good and so young? I know, and, and I know, we, like, we can get into specifics of um, Samuelson and Darlene, but it, it, what struck out to me was the way Samuelson is mature behind his years, and that goes to his father, um, you know, raising him the way he did and being, you know, such a stalwart on some really good Philadelphia teams. Um, and it was the, it was the day that they won in Philly and and to hear Samuelson talk and mention Mr. Clark, um, and, um, Mr. Hextall and guys like that. Like it was awesome, but then it pivoted to Darlene and it was so cool to see him kind of, you know, <laughs> shake off smiles about how Darlene called And I mentioned it last episode, he calls it the Cobra, um, Samuelson's ability to hide his reach and to sneak up on people. To see that, like, we haven't had an inside look and in what's going on there. To see some personality out of Darlene is great. It gets me yep. excited, Dwayne. Um, I don't know how it'll shake out, but between Samuelson, between Darlene, between Power, between Yoki, and now, you know, draw the line there. Um, we have the kid coming in from Minnesota, right? Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Ryan jo- Johnson. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. I think I got his name right.
1: Ryan Johnson. Um,
2: First, or first pick of the second round a couple of years ago or three years he ago. Is
1: he the first pick of the second round or the, or the first pick of, or last pick of the first? Yeah, I think he might've been first pick of the, uh, he was the last pick of the first round because you're right, you're right. That was, was the year 31. St. Louis won the cup.
2: He was 31 and we had St. Louis was picked from the O'Reilly trade. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, And then Samuelson might've been like one of the first few picks of the second round, a different year. But when you, when you look at them and, and then you look at guys like um at, at the, other like, uh, here, I don't want to get into the other defensemen, whether who we bring in. But looking at those four, I know that three are left-handed shot defensemen. It's yeah. tough to find a guy to play the right-hand side. Right now, it's Samuelson. Um, but fuck if they look good. I, I mean, they're 100%. not not—they're not going to be perfect, guys. They're a young team. They're going to make mistakes. But the way I tell my young goaltenders, uh, I'll give you an example. I had a 14-year-old and I had a, a 17-year-old who's going to be playing in the Bowman Cup, a couple of clicks clicks uh, for Dylan Murphy, representing Buffalo in the Bowman Cup t- uh, on Wednesday. Um, yeah. But I had college level shooters out there. And I explained to each and every uh, of my goalies, hey, listen, if I have shooters your age, you might make every save. You're not going to get any better because I'm not going to see what you need to get better at because you're not going to get beat. It's through getting beat and through making mistakes that we see what we need to get better at. And I'm all about it. I loved Granado's communication system. I love the way that he has given these guys a free leash, like you've talked about while staying within the team structure, the sweep of Philly, right? Um, yep. We've seen what happens with average to above average replacement level goaltending. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and you go back to, you know, our, our, our games and, Looking at, you know, I know the St. Louis one was a stinker, but and the Tampa Bay one was bad. Yep. But a great win against Nashville, a tough loss against a really good Florida team, the best, you know, they're they're at 120 points. The win at uh, Carolina at home, uh, then, you know, the loss against Carolina, which we can argue will bounce or two away, a call or two away from that being five through the other way. Yep. Uh, and then a, a one-goal loss to Florida. If you go and look at Florida's margins of victory, we lost to them in a span of a week by 5-3. I believe that was an empty netter. And then 4-3. They've been beating the wheels off the of teams. And we lost to them by two and by one goal. Okay. Yep. I don't like losing. It is what it is. We come back out. We lay a stinker against the Lightning. Then we come right back. And this is what I'm trying to talk about. The ability to flip that switch, Dwayne, with a younger team having the veteran leadership of whether you want to say Akpogo, uh, Gergensen, uh, Pissick, you know Skinner, and then the young guys stepping up like Thompson and Cousins um, and, and Darlene and whoever it may be, but to come back and beat your arch rival five to two in Owen Power's first game, like fucking rights. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but like that to me says everything I need to hear about this group going forward.
1: Thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, Granado's ability to, you know, come oh, on, come out. Since then, we lost to St. Louis with that stinker, and then we've won four in a row. Since Owen Power has made his debut, the Sabers are five and one. Uh, the only loss being that game against St. St. Louis,
2: six to two game, right?
1: Yeah, and honest to God, like you know, with, with obviously in every game you're going to see some ebbs and flows. But the Sabres have been pretty dominant in all of these games. Like, you know, they've been the better team. And it's not very often we can say that about a Sabres team in recent memory. Just, you know, where you can, where when you watch a game start to finish that you looks like, well, Buffalo was the better team. They're the better team again. They were the better team again. You have multiple multi-game winning streaks in this season, which again, it's been a long time since you've been able to say that about the Buffalo Sabres. Um, let me stop you for a second. Right now we have two thirty goal scorers,
2: Thompson at thirty seven, Skinner at thirty three, Akpogo at twenty one, Olofsson at twenty. When's the last time that we said that Buffalo had four twenty goal scorers?
1: Um, it's been a long time, Dwayne. I the don't last time they had the last time they had two thirty goal scorers no, it was Drew. Stafford. I know, but I'm but I'm 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 going by my own memory. Um, it was Drew Stafford and Thomas Vanek. So, I'd imagine it's been a long time since we've had four. Probably, I would imagine it was when maybe we had O'Reilly, Eichel, and Kane on the team. Okay. Maybe there was three there.
2: Switching over to assists, Darlene at 40. That's that's an elite, elite defenseman.
1: Darlene, yeah. I mean, 40
2: assists, dude. Yeah.
1: He's
2: just. Thompson, 30 assists. <coughs> Jeff Skinner, 29 assists. Victor Olsen, 29 assists. Alex Tuck, 26. So let me just say this, okay? If you look at Alex Tuck and say his, 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 his season wasn't shortened, right? And yep. uh, That would give you five players, assuming that Skinner and Olsen get an assist in the next two games, that's five players with 30 or more assists. Correct. When's the last time we could say that about us, the Sabres? It's been a long time. Exactly. In a long time. When you look at the points, obviously they don't jump off the page with guys like Goudreau and McDavid putting up 100-point seasons. But just to see Jeff Skinner get back onto that pace, Tage Thompson having a breakout year with 67. Rasmus Dahlin, 53 points as a fucking defenseman in the National League. As a young guy on a bad team.
1: Three months ago, there were a lot of fans in this fan base that wanted him gone. I
2: I hope all of them
1: hand in their fan
2: card because listen, it's very easy to to point the finger at some of these young guys. And I I can, you can make excuses too. You are only as, and I've learned this as a coach, the hard way, you are only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Carrie and Tim have got it wrong. Did I say Carrie and Tim?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you did. Terry and Kim.
2: What is their, what are their names? Terry and Kim, <laughs> Jesus, too many pucks to the head.
1: Uh, no,
2: Terry and Kim have got it wrong five times. I think they finally got it right. Okay, I know Kevin Adams on a personal level. I got to skate with him a whole summer, and I've told this story on the air. It was me, uh, Marcus Felino. We went to leisure rinks from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. It was Kevin Adams on the ice and Nick Fatty. Uh, I was the only goalie, it was Cassian. Felino, Luke Adam, Corey Trapp. Yep. And that's how I got my invite to Sabres camp. But every single day, Kevin Adams has a passion for the game, and he has a way of communicating. And although I haven't seen him much outside of the hellos at, at the Harbor Center since then, I I, I know the man, and, and I've, I've had the opportunity to be around him in his setting, even though he was player development back then. Look at how Marcus Felino's turned out. He's a stalwart on a fucking very, very good Minnesota team. Yep. He's somebody I wish we still had. Um, I love him. You know. He's turned out to be a good player on a good – or a good player. He's had a good career. Um, Luke Adam and Corey Trump, don't know where they ended up. But um, my point being is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. I think if if we were to ask Eileen and get a clean answer off the record – from last year, maybe before – no, maybe even after Granado took over, but not a full season with Granado. And now, if he feels comfortable, you know, being here, I think we would see a 180. What do you think?
1: I I 100% agree. I think, like, Rasmus Dahlin, when I look at him, man, I just see a guy who we really – I would say just scratching the surface of how good he really is. And I think it's no secret that it does take <clears throat> defensemen a little bit longer to develop. Victor Hedman, I mean, I think – I don't think Victor Hedman had 40 points in a season until his fifth year. Darlene might have – fifth year. Um, I, I think Darlene might have did it as first or as second. I know he – he Darlene <clears throat> is second. No, this is his first time hitting 50 points. No, 40. I was talking about 40. Well, okay, my bad. Yeah, but <clears throat> no, your Hedman your – Hedman, you're right. It was his fifth year. Yeah, you know yeah, about? but you know, so I think that kind of goes that Sabres fans are just very impatient. Um, we've been we've been through a lot of losing, so it's like you see if a guy who went first overall, you, you he was the hype around him was real. You saw all the highlights from him in Sweden, you, this player that you expect him to be, and he wasn't right. You only fail to realize like just because he's an elite level defenseman and he's a franchise defenseman doesn't mean that he's. In, uh, Impervious, or in, in, when it comes to you know what's bad impervious, bad bad coach. You've he's had three head coaches since being drafted to Buffalo. Three, I mean that's three different systems, three different styles of hockey that he's expected to like adjust his game to and learn. And this is probably, honest to God, the first time he's ever actually really felt stability while be while, while being with the Buffalo Sabres, yeah, like actual stability. Look what happens when he finds that stability. Exactly, he's just been absolutely lights out. You know, best player on the ice. Next to Tage Thompson, in my opinion. Like transitioning away from the Sabres for a minute. Um,
2: that goal Akposo scored. Um, and the story about the guy catching his bat. That was fun. Goalies, you know, you saw the way that puck dipped. Yep. That is a skill. Now, would uh, you can ask Akposo. Maybe he wasn't trying to do it. But I know good players, and I've been scored on like that by Mitch Marner, where he dumped it in or shot it just as he entered the blue line, and it was like I was playing ball hockey because the thing, I went to catch it, and then it went six-hole to my opposite side. Uh, um,
1: six-hole goals are the worst.
2: Well, especially from like a dump-in. Yeah. And I just love that for my Poso. So I, I really hope he does stick around for one more year. I think uh, he does. I think uh, to he's doing important you know, guys like tuck and them and, 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 and cousins really you know be the the leaders they can be even if Okposo has to restructure his deal or you know what fuck it he, you know he's owed that money he does he doesn't owe that to anybody but I, I i like the way that he might not get the credit for it but i i feel like i'd be remiss if i didn't give him credit right now on the job that he's done with Think about it. When Jeff Skinner was down and out last year, was it Jack Eichel picking him up? Well, you know for a fact it wasn't. It no. was guys like fucking Ocposo. Yep. So, and, you know,
1: I was very critical over the last two years of Kyle Ocposo because he wasn't pulling his weight. Well, you know what? I look back on that now, and he wasn't healthy. Um, you know, and he was also probably just out of maybe out of frustration or just the inability to really adjust as the constant changeover. And let's get this straight. Like hockey players are going to go out there and be hockey players. They know how to play hockey. But when you have coaches who don't really develop a system of play, that's best for your, and we saw this so most with Ralph Kruger, that best really, you know, highlight your players' skill sets. You're it's, it's gonna, it's going to hurt you. We now last year under Ralph Kruger, the log line of Akposo, Gergensen, Gergensen's and uh, Larson—that was a line that got some hype analytically, especially as like a shutdown oh, well, line. We saw a little Anderson
2: bit too. Don't leave that out. You me shit for I I said Larson was expendable, and you fucking gave me shit for it.
1: No, I've never wanted Larson. Who was it? It was somebody on our show. I can't remember. I'm not. A, I mean. I feel like guys like Johan. I mean, we got a guy like that, like in Rasmus Asplund, yeah, right yeah, now. Kobe Eakin. Yeah, you can find guys. You can find guys like Larson everywhere. Like you really can. And let's be real. Like he's probably gonna be on. He just got traded. He was with, was with Arizona, and now he's with the Capitals. Uh, like the guy's gonna probably be uh, be on a bunch of different teams by the time his career's over with if guys like that are so valuable or inexpendable, then they wouldn't be on so many teams. Like, is he a good, maybe, you know, defensive hockey player. Yeah. But he doesn't really give you anything offensively. And this is a scoring league. You need to score goals. And he doesn't do that for you really very much at all. So like, but going, going back, but that, you know, I had his moments last year, playing on that line, being kind of a shutdown hitting checking line, but this year, you know, he's found his scoring touch again. And, not to mention you just hear all the players and how they talk about him in the locker room and what he's given to this team and, and you know and got for as is in the like guidance. Um I, I definitely want him back another year.
2: I think he's gained Granado's um and I know it's it's a team between Granado and management, Kevin Adams and Co. Yeah, but I think that Don Granado has earned enough respect to say, hey. That's that I'm. That's that's a no budger for me. Like, I'll find a way to use him effectively, but yep. we need him back. Um, I wanted to change uh, topics really quick. Um, uh, our good friend and recurring guest Jesse Granger, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat reporter for yep. the Athletic, um, came out with uh, a recent article. I, I um, it, it was updated at six eleven today. Uh, I expect, or I encourage all of you guys to read it. Here's the interesting part. It all started with a tweet from Emily Kaplan. Okay. Yep. Today. Dwayne, Dwayne, tell me if I'm wrong here. Okay. Um, Emily Kaplan tweets out. Let me find it. ESPN sources. Robin Leonard told Vegas on Thursday he was getting surgery. Team doctor agreed it was best course of action after evaluation Saturday. Then the team asked the goalie to delay and back up last night, which we saw him physically skate over to Logan Thomas and pick him up. Yep. And Sorry. This is going back to Kaplan's tweet. Then team asked the goalie to delay and back up last night before allowing it. They cited cap implications per sources. Do you understand if Logan Thomas would have gotten injured? That we Your could have pleasure. had a NHLPA nightmare on our hands, and Robin Leonard would have had he still might have grounds for a huge case against the Knights. Now,
1: I don't see him uh, back in Vegas next year.
2: Now that's where it gets interesting, right? How stupid are they to let go of Flurry?
1: Maybe Elaine sure
2: Walsh least- was <clears throat> smarter, smarter than all of us in this whole thing. Granted, Flurry's his client, Leonard isn't, but guys. Leonard backed up after knowing that he could not play. There was no way in hell he was playing. Yeah. Okay? I get why Vegas did what they did. For it to come out publicly is a fucking not good. nightmare.
1: Not now, good at all. Does I that mean-
2: get out because of good reporting? Or does that get out from Robin Leonard's camp because he was fucked? He felt used. And I would too. I went through something similar. I came back too early. Just to back up Jack Campbell after having meniscus surgery six weeks prior, the recovery time for me was 10 to 20 weeks. I was back on the bench after six. Now, I yep. didn't play, thank God, because Supi played good, good enough to get us there. We ended up losing in the Western Conference Finals. But, um, I, dude, I've I, I, I been in his shoes on a lesser degree and in a lesser league. Uh, I was praying because I had been on the ice for pregame skates and I did not feel myself. And I knew something, like, God, God willing, do not get hurt, Jack, because if I were to had to have gone in, I would have been 20% of myself. So, like, I, I guess my question to you, Dwayne, is did this story leak from good reporting from Kaplan
1: or did it leak from Leonard's camp? Um, it's tough to say, cause it's like, you know, Robin Leonard's, well, he deleted his Twitter account. He deactivated it. Oh. I think kind of just well, more that, or less. That's
2: kind of where I'm going with this. You saw how active he was on social media.
1: Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if we've got a reason why he did it. Maybe he just wanted to focus on the season or. What do you mean? The season's over. Well, he, he it's actually been deactivated for a couple weeks. Like well, it's. You, you, dude, he, he got injured on March 8th. I'm just. Like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the, not sure the exact. March I'm not sure the exact timeline of when he deactivated it. If it was just for his he own said, reason he said he,
2: a few weeks ago. That's it, or like that's in that March eighth range.
1: Yeah, like I'm not. Again, I'm not sure how long it's been. It's been at least a few weeks. Could have been. Could be longer. But um, we all know how spoken he is. He's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, so I would I be surprised if he did let that story leak. No, I wouldn't be. I think that he, I think that, you know, kind of the way, well, just the whole, the whole roster as a whole in Vegas, it's just like it's just one injury after the other. Right. Um, and- so per Jesse Granger, and this
2: was yeah, what is today? The 25th or 26th. Now this is from today at about three hours ago, the golden Knights have announced Robin Leonard will undergo another, will undergo a season ending injury. He battled through a serious shoulder and leg injury this season, playing as long as he could to help the push for playoffs. Listen, you could say all you want about Leonard not being good this year. The truth comes out usually after the Stanley Cup about right. how many guys played injured, right? Leonard yep. did all he could. I'm not blaming him one bit. I just want to know, were their rules broken? And we know that the law, like teams like Tampa Bay – and teams like Vegas have used long-term injury reserve to to circumnavigate the cap for playoffs. Now I know the general managers visited on it in the owners' meeting, and it you know it was decided that it'll it'll stay the same, but will this shake things up? Because he was on the bench unable to go in and play for cap reasons. That uh, to me is fucked up.
1: Yeah, I uh like for for the exact reasonings you said, it's it it's extremely fucked up because you know what it what if Logan Thompson does get hurt there, man. It's it, it would it be a nightmare for Leonard. What's Leonard supposed to do? Be like, uh guess you guys are playing with six guys in a game that has major playoff implications. Like and we're or about to get to that right this after
2: city. this. I was teeing that up for us, Dwayne. So so yeah. you
1: put him in a situation where I guess I gotta go out there and play a, in a lot of pain like playing through a lot of pain not that he hasn't been doing that already but the pain became too much for him um you putting him in a ter- in a really terrible situation I, this is where i feel for the guy because he is very outspoken about the way things went in buffalo for obvious reasons you know he had some proof with, uh, through pictures and whatnot he's very outspoken about that and then now to go through this in vegas you know again until the whole story comes out i mean we really don't know but here's the whole story Leonard injured his shoulder on February. This is coming
2: from Jesse Granger. He injured his shoulder on February 9th against the, the Calgary Flames. Pete DeBoer wouldn't confirm that Leonard would be out for I this weekend, yep. saying he expected Leonard to be at practice Saturday and dress for Sunday's game against San Jose. Knowing full well the capital implications, Leonard wasn't at Friday's practice and the backup goalie against and, and was the backup goalie against the Sharks on Sunday. Correct. Here's where it gets interesting. Leonard suffered a leg injury on March 8th in Philadelphia, but tried playing through it while his team pushed for the playoffs. Like you mentioned, they're still in that backs against the wall right now. Correct. He returned to action on April 3rd after missing 12 games. In the six games, in it sense, his return, he was not himself. He had 17 goals with a save percentage of 892 and never looked like himself. He only played 44 games this season. He'll finish with a 23 17 2 record, a 907 save percentage, and 5.6 goals saved above expected. 16th in the NHL. That's a quick <laughs> stat. Uh, the Knights have recalled Yuri Pater- Patera from the Henderson Silver Knights. Yep. Patera has played 21 games for the Silver Knights this season, but has yet to play in the show. The Golden Knights have three games remaining on their schedule and sit three points behind the Dallas Stars for the final Western Conference wildcard spot. Dallas also has three games left. Now, Dwayne, before the show, me and you talked about it, and maybe it's impossible for them to catch Nashville, but I don't see how it is. Can we lay it out for
1: the fans? Absolutely. Let's go. We were talking about before the show.
2: Um, So for all those wondering, okay, this is what it looks like, Dwayne. Can you pull up the infographic that I showed you at the Western Conference or no?
1: Uh, I'm trying you? to, I, I'm having some issues here trying to pull okay. it up right now. But so um. just
2: so people know, Nashville is at 79 games played, 94 points. Uh, so they have three games left. Dallas, 79 games played, three games left. Ninety-three points. Vegas, seventy-nine games played, three games left. Ninety points. Now I know everybody's making this out to be Vegas versus um, Dallas because they do play um, tomorrow at eight thirty. But my thought was, well, hypothetically, if if Nashville loses, Nashville plays Calgary tomorrow. In Nashville, and then they're at Colorado on the 28th and at Arizona on the 29th. If they lose all three of those games, they would be stuck at 94 points. Okay. Correct. This, we're not even talking about Dallas right now. That means Nashville sits at 94 points. If Vegas gets in their last three games, they play against Dallas in Dallas. Um the 26th, the next night they're in Chicago and they finish off the 29th in St. Louis. If they get five out of a possible six there and Nashville loses all three of their games in regulation, that would put Nashville at 94 points and Vegas at 95. So I know everybody like, what do they know that I don't?
1: I, I I don't know. I, I think I get it's, the it's, guy very it's very doable. It's very doable. I get the I get the Dallas thing because if yeah
2: if 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 um well no it would they would have to lose in overtime to have a chance to to beat Nashville. You know what I mean? Yep. Let's just say Vegas, let's say Dallas beats Vegas in overtime. So Vegas is at 91 points, but they win out against Chicago and St. Louis, giving them 95. And Um, Nashville loses against Calgary, Colorado, and Arizona. Doesn't that get them in? Vegas is still in with 95 and, um, Nashville at 94, right? Correct. I get that that's a long shot, but like, I don't see that being talked about anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it gets a long shot. I think, I think what they need to do though, is they need to get through Dallas first um, I think you know, not worried about other teams losing. You really need to take care of business on your own. on And and went, went beat Dallas but because they need like help said, regardless. Yeah, you got to beat Dallas regardless, and no, no, no. We, Even if they beat Dallas, they need help. Oh, they need help. Yeah, but I mean, if I if I'm the, if I'm Vegas with all the issues they've had this season between the injuries and you gotta uh, beat Dallas, you're right. No, you got to beat Dallas, you're and right. Dallas start there. Yeah, if uh, they
2: lose, if they lose outright. To Dallas, not knowing the different tiebreakers, even if yep. Nashville does lose their next three games, they still could be out. So Vegas has to get at least a point against Dallas to stay alive. To stay alive.
1: If they lose in regulation, it's over for them.
2: And if Nashville picks up at least one point over the next three games, Vegas is out. Correct. Unless Vegas wins all three of their games and Nashville loses two out of the three in regulation and loses the last one in shootout. I know that might seem crazy, and I might have lost some of you, but right now Vegas is back three points to Dallas, four points to Nashville. They all have three games left. The interesting part of this is tomorrow two of the teams square off. I think think after tomorrow's night, a game against Dallas with Nashville also playing Calgary – who is playing well right now? It's not. It's not a long shot to expect Calgary to beat Nashville, even in Nashville, right? Yeah. So let's just say Vegas does beat Dallas. They're now at ninety-two points. Let's say they beat them in regulation. Now it becomes. Uh, I'm saying two things. Vegas beats Dallas in regulation, and Nashville loses to Calgary in regulation. Now Correct. we have Vegas at ninety-two. Dallas at 93, Nashville at 94, all with two games left. That to me would make for a fucking hell of the last two games.
1: Yeah. So it means-
2: I, I would I'm putting up, I'm betting the farm that I don't have because I have kids and a house that I need to buy on Calgary beating Nashville in regulation and Vegas beating Dallas in regulation, just to make this last week in the Western Conference even more exciting than it could be.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's good for hockey though, right? Right down to the wire. I mean, this is what you want. You want these teams really, cause it, like this is about as close to playoff hockey as you're going to get in the regular season. This is like, playoff
2: hockey, brother. This is
1: playoff hockey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're going to, you're you're going to, you're going to see guys, you know, not that they shouldn't be doing that all season, but you're going to see, see guys really put their body on the line to stop pucks from going to the net. Like, and you know, Jack Eichel pointless in the last four games. Um, you know, they, they spent a lot on him. Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a first, a second round pick. Like, that's not nothing, you know. And they they need they need a big game out of him tomorrow night. You just have to. I understand he's not 100%. There's no way after being a – it's going to take a while, right, Cully? I mean, it, you're not going to be the player you were last year after taking an entire year off and having major neck surgery. Yeah, right. no.
2: Listen, I haven't seen the same. Listen, no. I've never been a Jack Eichel fan, and um, for a couple different reasons. Ironically, it goes back to a game three years ago, or what, what? 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 When was Vegas's first season? Three or four years ago.
1: Um, I want to say this is their fourth season. So fifth season, let's maybe? say
2: three, three, four years ago, we played Vegas in OT. Jack turned the puck over in overtime, didn't back check. Guess who scored the goal? His guy. And for me, that said it all. From the rumors I heard from the people I knew at, at BU um, to some other people I talked to, I never liked his defensive game. I always thought it was odd that Sam Reinhardt, not a true center, was taking defensive zone draws over the past couple years when he was on the ice with Jack. Yeah. But like, as a center... You have to play 200-foot game. You don't have elite centers in the NHL that don't play 200-foot game. Austin Matthews is so good, and he doesn't get credit for it because he is an elite defensive center. I, I, I wish I could pull it up. Early on in this season, one of the first games, Matthews comes back um, in his own end, wins a battle below his own goal line, Strips the puck from the opposing player, skates down the ice, makes the outlet pass, beats his man down the ice, gets the pass back for a goal. So just transitioning from that, like I I was never a huge Eichel fan. I'm not going to sit here and shit on him right now. I am thrilled the return that we got. I think, uh, like everybody loves Tuck, and and I I do too. I love the family from everything I've heard from what Quickie's filled me in on on and off the air, what he's told us, Dwayne, like he's closer to them than I am. Yep. I, I got to meet him when he was younger and his brother. Um, But I think the undercover piece
1: of this trade is Peyton Krebs. Like, I think that Peyton Krebs – I I need him – first off, I need him to start shooting more because I think that I, – I he's an unbelievable playmaker. I want to see this kid to start shooting more because I think yeah. he put a lot more points on the board if he stops hesitating, stops trying to be – Always trying to be a playmaker. Start shooting that puck more. And I, I really, we haven't even like again. I said this earlier. We haven't even scratched the surface of Peyton Krebs. He's still just a kid. Now, can I interject? Yep. I think you're one hundred percent right. But I think that this summer, like,
2: what did we? What have we seen? And and you saw it with uh, Tage Thompson's goal where. He got that pass and it was like 110 miles per hour top shelf against Philly yep. I think, right? Yep. Now, what did Granado ask Tate Thompson to work on this offseason?
1: He um, said in his
2: presser. if you didn't hear it I'll tell you gladly. It's, his release.
1: Yeah, Oh, he honestly is one of the he was one of the best releases in the league.
2: Right, but Granado came out and said that that was what he gave um Thompson in his exit meeting last year that said, Hey, if you want to be the player that you can be work on your release this summer, Thompson did it. Now, (laughs) if, if he gives a similar mission to Krebs as a young guy and he spends this summer, obviously working on everything else, but really putting an emphasis on his release, I can tell you from a goalie and from a coaching perspective, his playmaking will only get better. Because if you know a guy is a pass-first guy, trust me, even at the OHL level, we had stat sheets. We had pregame, pre-game uh, scouting reports that said, hey, on a two-on-one on this side, this guy's going to pass it all the time, okay? And, like, I can only imagine with the advanced analytics what they're able to do. So if you now have you're a shooting threat, no matter where you are on the ice, it's going to make you that much more of a dangerous playmaker.
1: Yeah, you agree? I agree, hundred percent. I agree. agree. So
2: I, I'm willing to give Krabs the benefit of an off season. I'm not saying that he's going to make the jump that Thompson made and be a forty goal guy and a, a number no, one. that's a
1: lot to expect, of right. like especially a but, kid at his age. I do. I expect him to be like a twenty goal scorer. There's no reason he shouldn't be. And he could be a
2: seventy assist guy. Really, he really could be at his ceiling. But it takes. It comes with. As a goalie, if you know this gets going to pass, you, you're going to be able to. Give yourself backwards momentum. You're going to be able to make a backside shoulder check read as opposed to, well, fuck, he can still beat me from the top of the circle, so I have to respect that. And him already being an elite passing playmaker, you see what I'm trying to say? Like, yep. looking at it from the goaltending defensive perspective, I think if if he becomes, I'll, I'll call it situational selfishness. Uh, if, if Krebs has a way of, If making his shot, just – we're talking not even miles per hour harder, but just making his release more deceptive, I think that we could see a huge jump from him. And even without that, Dwayne, I've been a huge fan of his game. Love what I've seen from him.
1: I did not expect – I love the versatility of him because he's played – but he's a center, but he's been playing on the wing a lot. And his ability to produce from either position, that's like – that's a huge value for me in this league, and that's why, like, it I was would so value at for-
2: any level of hockey. I can yeah. tell you, Dwayne, coaching at Fredonia at the collegiate level, right when I retired, I never realized just how valuable a guy was that could play anywhere in your lineup.
1: Well, you I know? think you 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 mentioned Sam Reinhardt earlier. You know, you you kind of realize how underappreciated we, you know, because he took a lot of criticism. <laughs> well, I fucking hate that we traded Sam Reinhardt. I loved him. I thought he was our best player, even when I was here. I mean, I wouldn't say bad. I know. It was a good, uh, I, I I, was a I, good, good 1A, 1B. It was a good 1A, 1B.
2: I just, it, I love that we got Devin Levi, couple clicks for him winning the Mike Richter Award. Don't know how yeah, to I, I congratulate I for him, him to win best goalie in the country, but not be up for the Hobie Baker,
1: you fucks. You know what? It was probably him going to the Olympics. Same thing with Owen that really kind of. No, uh, so, hey, Dryden McKay, did you hear about his sanctions? His thank sanctu- well, I know I know he signed with the Marlies.
2: No, 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 no. He NCAA, they they could strip him of the Hobie, but they won't. He uh he wasn't eligible to play this what? semester.
0: I know didn't know see how that. No.
2: I didn't see that. It might not be in the news yet, but it happened. I did not know that. Yeah, so he was academically ineligible to play in this last semester. Um, so you're telling me the kid's dumb as rocks? No, I think it has more to do with him not being a full-time student. Oh, okay. Because you need to have you need to have 12 credit hours, aka four courses to be considered a full-time student, aka eligible through clearinghouse. But this just came out a few days ago. I don't expect it to get much traction because it's just a black eye on the NCAA. But how do you have a guy that won? the Mike Richter award for the best goalie in college hockey.
1: And then you have another guy that wins the Hobie Baker in the same position. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Devin, and we got your back. You should have won the Hobie. Fuck them. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, I, you know, I, again, I think I remember when I was talking to our friend over at Michigan, when we were texting back when, um, cause I was originally me and producer Steve, we were supposed to make the trip to Michigan. To go catch a couple games at Yoast, and we ended up canceling the trip because with all the money that trip was going to cost, we wanted to see both Eric Portillo and Owen Power. Well, Owen wasn't going to be there anymore, so it was like, "Well, we'll wait till he gets back." And then I get COVID. Great, but uh, but you know, with uh, with Ever- with with that whole situation she mentioned, he goes, "You know, it's happened at Mich- It's happened before in the past. You know." When, when you go to the Olympics, it can really hurt your chances at the Hobie Baker. It's just it's just a fact.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a shame. But listen, individual accolades are individual acc- accolades. Uh, I just felt I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. It, it hasn't really been talked about much in the hockey circles. I was made aware of it um, by somebody I trust that is a current Division One head coach. Um, yep. that if they wanted to, they could strip Dryden McKay. And now here's what's interesting had um Mankato not given up that lead in the third, yeah, we could be facing a whole different can of worms, and I think it's because they lost they're trying to be quickly swept under the rug. Because um, who, who won the game? Was it um Jesus, not North Dakota? Um, Denver. If Denver loses and it's because they lost one nothing to, you know, let's just say uh, McKay doesn't let in those three-week goals. Let's just say they lose, and then it comes out that the the guy that they couldn't score on was ineligible and shouldn't have been playing. Yeah. Now we have a vacated title. You see what I mean? So, yeah. like, I, I understand why they're doing it. I, I think more will come to light. I'm not making this up. It comes from a source that I would trust with my life, and I don't think you would have oh, to that, that hard to find out.
1: Cully, I trust um, you with my life.
2: I know, and, and Dwayne, I trust you with my daughter's life. So, uh, it, now I appreciate that. Uh, now well, my life ain't worth much, buddy. <laughs> um, I'm on a, I'm on a ticking time yeah. bomb here.
1: I, I, um, I've been looking. I've been now. I've been uh, for those of you you noticed, I've been kind of looking down. I've been doing a little research while you've been talking, because we were talking about Tage. We're talking about Jack. We're talking about you know, <clears throat> the, like just the implications of each player on the fran on their respective franchises, right? So, I was just curious while we were talking, what uh, this season, just this season as a whole, just point total. And yeah, I know there's a, there's a discrepancy in games played between uh, Jack and Tuck, but it's not massive just because Tuck was injured to start the season. Obviously, so was Jack. So, get this two probably most franchise altering trades this team has ever been involved with since Hasek, at least, right? Probably since Hasek, maybe LaFontaine right You know, in terms of return, you know, what it, what it could potentially do the franchise to, are the Jack Eichel trade and the Ryan O'Reilly trade. So we're gonna look at the two main pieces of each of those deals. In the Jack trade, uh, if if you're, if you're if you're adding point totals between Jack and Ryan O'Reilly this season, 73 points in 107 games played. What do you think Tuck and Tage have together? In 124 games played.
2: 182.
1: No, that's no. too high. 150.
0: 105.
1: Okay, I was between way too high. between Alex Tuck, between Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson, 105 points in 124 games. This season alone. Now, again, there is a discrepancy in some games. Roughly, I'm terrible at math. What is that? 13 uh not 13 games, uh 16 played games. Again? Tri- I think it's 16 more games played for Tuck and and Tage. We're not even talking. We're not even adding Peyton Krebs totals in there. Um, But 105 points in 124 games between Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson. And you have Jack Eichel with Ryan O'Reilly. Again, I don't think Jack is 100%. What was was O'Reilly and Eichel's total? Jack has 21 points in 31 games, which normally he's around a point, point per game player. I
2: thought Almost you were always. talking
1: about them together. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Jack has 21 points in 31 games. Ryan O'Reilly this season, 52 and 76. Together, they have 50, uh, 73 points. Right? Yeah. Uh, for Tage Thompson, 67 and 76. And Alex Tuck, 38 and 48. So clearly, I mean, again, I- I'm never going to say we're going to win the Ryan O'Reilly trade just because of, I mean, <laughs> He won the he won the con Smythe, the Hart trophy, and the Selkie trophy the very next season after trading him. So until you bring a Lord Stanley's Cup to Buffalo, I don't really think we've actually won that trade because they're always going to have that feather in their cap. Hey, we won a cup, you know, and Ryan O'Reilly was the biggest contributor to that. Um he won the con Smythe. There's no yeah, doubt I mean, about. there's no there's no arguing that. But but with the season he has had. And what Tuck has done for this team, not just on the ice, but most importantly off the ice, and helping continuously this culture that Don Granato and Kevin Adams have been trying to build. I mean, am I am I so out of line in thinking that we won these trades cum- cumulatively uh, right now? I think I'm feeling it's better. Close. I think it's close. Here's the interesting part. We didn't even the trades. but it's, it's a lot closer than I think many fans would have thought going into this season?
2: Oh, I think it's a lot closer than six months ago. But, yes, you're right, going into the season. I think the development of Tage Thompson helps because, in the, like, when that trade happened, I'm like, if we don't get Robert Thomas back. It's a bust. I think Tage is better. Well, I can't say that. Thomas is on a tear. But with that being said, I think the trades work out for in our favor for two reasons. Now we have players that want to be Buffalo Sabres. Now, here's the tricky part. Ideally, if you were to redo it as a Sabres president, you name Ryan <laughs> O'Reilly captain, which would have made selfish Jack Eichel butt hurt. And You know what I mean? That's where the friction what? was. And with some of the ownership with Ryan O'Reilly, right? And yep. he once he asked out, then it was Jack's show. Um, he didn't like, you know, I just... Fuck Jack, Michael. I'm not going to come out and say it. I think he's a prima donna bitch that is never going to have success in this league because he's not mentally tough enough. And I think all that needs to be said is look how he reacted after his game here in Buffalo. Yep. Sure, frustration. But I think hockey and the NHL is a character sport. I think we got guys back like Thompson and Tuck that are character guys that want to be sabers. Yep. And I think we got rid of guys. I shouldn't say guys. I got we got rid of a guy like Jack Eichel that never really cared where he went. He always felt like he was second fiddle to McDavid, like he was. Because let's be honest, guys, we wanted fucking McJesus. That was I mean, who does not I mean, it wasn't tape. I mean, for he's uncle. the best
1: player in the world, and he might go. He might arguably go down as the best player that ever lived.
2: Yeah, he's the best player in the world right now. Um, it's tough to compare eras, and I'm not going to get into that. No, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm I just, just think insane. that there was so many red flags for me watching Jack Eichel, and I don't want to get into them all now. And I know the wound is still fresh, but I am so happy that he's out of this organization. I'm not going to call him a cancer, but I feel like he was a <clears cancer throat> in that locker room. And look, what, what happens when you remove that? You see these young guys just surpassing expectations. You see a guy like Jeff Skinner, who everybody was ready to fucking burn his contract and, and send him to the minors and buy him out back to 30 goals. Like guys, there's a reason for this.
1: Yeah. And well, I true. think, I think Jeff Skinner probably has, has a great season last year. If he wasn't subjected to the third and fourth line by Ralph Kruger, the guy just goes out there and scores goals. Even on bad hockey teams. He proved that a lot in Carolina, but I get, I, I get where you're going.
2: That's all I had to say. I, I had to no. make my stand. I've been trying to keep I, it locked listen. up. I just, I ever since Jack came into the league, I go back to his title game where in Buffalo where BU lost because of uh, maybe it wasn't in Buffalo, but where no, it wasn't lost in Buffalo. The, but the, title,
1: the, the, the buck goal was essentially like a buck, uh, no, an own goal uh, by Hammond. Wasn't it Andrew Hammond? Well,
2: no, no. He's not. He doesn't play anywhere in the show. Big guy, um, you could look it up very easily. He went to Ottawa.
1: He went to Ottawa. He he, he had he, he he. I remember he signed with Ottawa. It was it's not um,
2: YouTube own gold BU national championship. He caught it. He dropped it. It went in. Yep. My point is this: Jack Eichel tried to do it all in those last two shifts, and I just from then on, I never liked his game. Yes, he skates like the wind. Yes, he had those amazing moments, but to me, he was never the face of a franchise. He's like the Plan B pill. I think he was what we got when we lost McDavid.
1: I think. And, that, I think there's a lot that goes into that for me because there was the the comments to Murray made, kind of like putting Eichel in a bad spot after he lost the draft lottery. It's Murray like,
2: should have never been
1: our GM. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Who's that on? That's on ownership. And that's where I want to leave it. And but uh, for me, I think I I think the cancer for the culture of the Buffalo Sabers. I don't think it started with Jack Eichel. I think it started oh, no, with. Another... It was in place long before that. I well, think yeah, that... yes, for sure, for sure. But I think well, what really started captain bad, and
2: Savior is where it all went wrong.
1: Like it's fighting that, that making
2: Jack happy over. Ryan O'Reilly, oh, well Ryan O'Reilly I, I was the leader first of that off, team.
1: Johnny, first off, all, all the stuff about Jack and Ryan like be, not liking each other, that was all it was yeah, all I media. Believe, I don't believe any of that. But I don't believe at any of that Time because- Dwayne, who is the better captain? Oh Ryan O'Reilly probably should have been captain so, Justin Why because. did why did we oh, fucking cripple
2: yeah, the Jacks demands like that's what i mean there is a well, situation well, out there in in the multiverse in the Marvel multiverse where the Sabres still have Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel I don't think Jack is ever going to be a captain again he's not a captain of I
1: I really don't think I really first off i don't think i think there was a lot more to Ryan O'Reilly leaving than Jack Eichel I I I personally don't think Jack had any end to it i remember when uh <clears throat> Josh Allen bought dinner for Jack Eichel. Uh, the, he saw Jack Eichel out to eat um, one night. Uh, it was after the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Jack was out to eat with Ryan O'Reilly that night. And then Jack was also a guest from O'Reilly uh, at the Stanley Cup Finals when O'Reilly won the Cup. So well, they're I've, friends. They're so friends. I'm going to
2: bring this up in rebuttal. And this is from good sources, and you know it is, because we were told by the same person. Josh Allen and Jack Eichel did one, one promotional video together. Oh, yeah, 12. I remember. I know, I know this. And Talk a lot of people it. do. And Josh Allen, after, and we all know Josh Allen is the king of Buffalo, the greatest human ever made. Yeah, And he was built for this city. Josh Allen said after that, that I will never work with that man again. You yeah. have to be a special kind of asshole and self self-centered, whatever you want to call it to have the, the King of Buffalo say, I will never well, team up with him. Now, report- go back, hey, go back to the video. Do you remember when Josh Allen was in the locker room? Yep. Did you see how he dapped up talk?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I what went six the, the,
2: to midnight and came in my pants when I never, saw that. That,
1: that, that. that was awesome. Um, the video, <clears throat> I remember it was originally said by Paul Hamilton. Uh, Paul Hamilton said on the local radio station here that, uh, that uh, Josh Allen and he, he was saying this, this is what he heard from other people that Josh Allen wanted nothing to do with Jack Eichel after that video, and then he came back on later in that same segment and said he was told that that didn't actually happen, that that was all hearsay. So no, no, I've, I've double checked it. It happened from who I can't say. So, well, regardless if it happened,
2: and if it makes you feel any better, I'm willing to put my, my integrity on the line and my whole reputation I have one friend placed closely. I'm not going to name names in, in the PG PSE, Um. That happened and Josh Allen did say that, okay. So, with that being said, Josh Allen, if asked, would probably have done another video. But he, for him to say that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know,
1: I I maybe I I don't want to read too much into it. Well, I I, I, first from. first off, backed it up. I'm not gonna sit here, I'm not gonna sit here and be a Jack Uncle defender. I'm not, I'm not gonna defend him. He's no longer on my team. I have no any more reason to defend him, but I'm also not going to play into the hate Jack Eichel" card. I mean, sometimes I do on Twitter just for the fun of it. Cause it's funny, but at the same time, I'm not going to play into that card thinking that he was the whole reason that the Sabres couldn't figure out a way to win. Personally, if you ask me the player that probably started the cause of all this was for me, Evander Kane. And I've heard a lot of stories About Evander Kane and some of the parties that he had up in his room because he never actually bought a place here in Buffalo. Yeah, no, he he lived in that hotel. I got up to that hotel room once and nothing good was happening. I left. Yeah, and that guy has been an absolute cancer everywhere he's been. Now he's—you see what he turned it
2: around finally, but it took him having to divorce his wife. Go through the public scrutiny of owing casinos money, having to forfeit salary, blah, 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 blah. When he was here, he was more interested in extracurricular activities. All I say, and I've been told this by a Hall of Fame coaches of mine, um, and Doug Gilmore said this: as long as you show up to the rank and you do your job,
1: then uh, he doesn't care what you're
2: guilty. As long as you show up and do your job. They don't nobody gives a fuck what you do on your own time. But But, the minute that your extracurriculars leak into your ability to do your job, then you have a problem.
1: Yeah. I I, but here, I just um um, but for me, I think that's really where the cancer in the culture started with Buffalo. It wasn't Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel, yeah, sure, he was some spoiled rich kid from Boston, hundred percent, hundred percent. But when you have young young kids in locker rooms. With guys like that, I mean, and you all saw the relationship between Jack Eichel and Evander Kane. They were pretty tight. Like that's that just that spells disaster for your franchise player. It just does. And again, I'm, I I refuse to put blame on Jack. Does Jack does Jack share some of the blame? Yeah, every single player on those rosters shares blame, hundred percent. But for me, I really think Evander Kane is really where the cancer. The, the cancer and the culture started because that's a guy who, if you look at his track record, never put winning first. Ever. And it's, it's,
2: it's easy in hindsight. You could be right, Dwayne. And I think you are right on a lot of points. I just think it's unfair for us to speculate. No, no, no. Outside of what we know. I don't think outside of that though, I don't think we had it right at the managerial position. I don't think we had it right in the hockey ox department. I don't think we had it right in the coaching department. I think there was a lot of failures at a lot of at every level that led to this being even a situation. The best organizations, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about Tampa Bay only because John Cooper coached me and Team USA. I know that the transition from Iserman to Brevard. <laughs> as general managers and, well, Coop stayed as the head coach and there was no, like, hiccup there is because they instilled a culture. They had a guy like Stamkos that and, and that was able to bring a guy like Hedman along the right way, was able to bring a guy like Braden Point along. You know, look at all the yep. players like Kucherov the right way. Like, they're a perfect example of doing it right at all levels. I think Buffalo is the perfect example of systematic failure to do right by your franchise players. And I want to leave it at
1: that. Agreed. I think, I I don't think enough. There's, there were good things and bad things about Tim Murray. I think Tim Murray wanted to really fast track the rebuild, which is why you went, you made the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. That's why you went and made the trade for Evander Kane and at the time it was genius because when you made that trade for Evander Kane it did it was before you had Jack Eichel it was before you it was during the tank year well Evander Kane it was during that whole Dustin Bufflin thing the track suit story um and then Evander Kane because of the the the, the, the controversy that was going on in Winnipeg he decided I'm going to get shoulder surgery I'm going to end my seat even though even though he could have played he decided to get shoulder surgery Ended his season. Well, Timbury goes trades for the guy. He's not going to be able to play for me all season. But now I have a goal scoring winger to play with Jack Eichel for the next season. At the time, looked genius because it didn't affect it, it. did not affect the tank, and you now you have a piece already in the future for your your future franchise center. Who then we give up Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers, and, and um, he's a right handed defenseman. Yeah, well, Tyler who Myers, is, who is and, uh, the right handed
2: defenseman that slid into his spot? That is now playing for Philadelphia. That's a goddamn pylon. Uh,
1: there it was. Um, well, it was the door off, It was the Ryan O'Reilly? The um, I'm trying to remember. Ah, oh, God, he's a big. You, know, you
2: only make that trade and send a guy like Myers out, a young, budding, top four right-handed defenseman, if you feel confident in the guy that's going to be replacing those 26 minutes, mm-hmm. and seeing. Ristolainen fail miserably on that Philadelphia team. That is the best move Kevin Adams has made yet outside of the Eichel deal.
1: Which one? Sorry again. They didn't I mean, get the
2: up. fucking Rasmus turnover. Oh, oh, oh
1: yeah, the Rasmus to absolute highway robbery. A first, a second, and Robert Hag, who actually ended up being serviceable at times, hundred percent, which you then turned into like a 6 round pick at this deadline. Oh. So uh, I was looking up, I was looking up that trade. Uh the Evander Kane trade. You traded Myers, Drew Stafford, and Prospects, Joel Armia, and Brennan Lemieux. Brennan Lemieux, Lemieux, Lemieux
2: was never gonna sign here.
1: Yeah, he never wanted to be here. And a first round draft pick and an exchange Buffalo got Evander Kane, Zach Bogosian, and goaltender Jason Kazdorf. Bogosian was serviceable when he was healthy, but he could never stay healthy. I met um, Kazdorf. Uh, never an NHL goalie. Yep. Uh, I, I just, uh, for me, um, you forget the
2: was a a top five pick a lot in that draft with, uh, Doughty Petrangelo and all those guys, uh, and Shen, you know? Um, so it's tough. Listen, I I don't want to look back through a crystal ball that we don't have. Uh, I think we've touched on it enough. Um, I want to get into more what, to look forward to switching to the Eastern conference before we let everybody go. Um, I will bring up everything right now. Um, so we have, we have the Eastern conference, which is as it starts today, Florida would play boss. No, Florida would play Washington. Okay. Okay. Yep. Toronto would play Tampa Bay.
1: Which that that just smells that just reeks of four game sweep for Toronto, in my opinion. Tampa Bay, if
2: Toronto loses their next two. No, hold on. I want to make sure I get this right. Boston can catch. Hold on. Give me a second here. I want to make sure I get this right for the people at home. Um okay. So, Boston can catch Tampa Bay if Boston wins out and Tampa doesn't. Um, You know what's ironic? We are fifth in the Atlantic because of our latest heater. And yep. when was the last time that we've had three teams below us? Anyways, so <laughs> your playoff teams are, are locked in, right? It's going to be Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston, uh, from the Atlantic. And then from the Metro, it's going to be Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? It doesn't look like Boston will catch Tampa Bay um, unless Tampa Bay really throws some, some shit in the next three games. It's possible. I don't think it's, it's going to happen. But when you look at the Metropolitan, Pittsburgh – after losing inexplicably and i saw the whole game three nothing to philly who we fucking dismantled
1: yeah philly
2: Pittsburgh also lost um Drury and casey de smith nothing against casey i love the guy he was my backup at team usa uh but like there's been question marks in goal for for pittsburgh forever i can't believe they didn't address that at the deadline anyways what could happen though So, Carolina's pretty much set in stone in first. Mm
1: -hmm. New
2: York Rangers are pretty much set set at second in the Metro. Yep. Pittsburgh could end up falling as the second wild card and end up playing Florida. Well, Washington could leapfrog them. So, here's how it goes. Pittsburgh has 80 games played with two remaining. (laughs) 101 points. Okay. Yep. Washington has three games remaining with 100 points, okay? Correct. So, as I look at the teams, I will give you their schedules, okay? Pittsburgh first. They have Edmonton and Columbus both at home. They have Edmonton tomorrow night and Columbus 29th. They have two games rest, okay? Now, Washington has Islanders at home tomorrow. They have off Wednesday, and then they finish the season Thursday, Friday, back-to-back at the Islanders at the Rangers. That's going to be fascinating. Now, when you look back at it, like, if – let's just say hypothetically, if Pittsburgh and Washington were to trade places, now Pittsburgh plays Florida and Washington plays the Rangers. It's just interesting. I I, 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 lo-
1: I would like to see a Washington Rangers series. I think that that, that that it's always fun watching those games between the both those teams. I think Shasterkin, even though he's kind of fallen off as of late uh the last couple of weeks in the heart you know in the heart trophy race. Um, he's still
2: I, he's still an unbelievable goalie. Yeah,
1: unbelievable goalie, and we all know how much goaltending means in the playoffs. I mean, in the regular season to get to the playoffs, you can you can have you you can build in front of average goaltending and make the playoffs. But when you have a goalie who gets hot in the playoffs, we've seen it so many times in the past. I mean, they they can still use series, and I, I'm very interested to see a, a series like that because I think those are two very Evenly matched teams, and that would be a lot of fun to watch for me.
2: Now, one other thing so Boston looks pretty set in the first wild card spot, right?
1: Yep,
2: but it is possible for them. They play Florida, they play Florida tomorrow, which is a lot of implications. Seems like let's say it's safe to say they lose that one, but yep. and then they have Buffalo, Toronto back to back to finish the season. Like it's it, it's realistic to think that they might lose all three of those games. And if they do, then they could possibly fall into the second wild card spot. If Pittsburgh or Washington, you know, does their thing. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, my computer is about to die before we wrap up. um, I have one Jeremy Rooney story to tell, but I wanted to give you a chance to
1: let out anything else that we didn't get to. No, just uh, one thing. Did you see the Kuznetsov shootout goal? I did not. He I came, was, in, he was, came I in ridiculously slow, weekend. almost like Patty Kane slow. We've seen Patty Kane do it in shootouts. And then halfway into his stride, he remember when Rasmus the Lions scored that goal in the celebration, he did the, the stick twirl? Oh yeah, he did the stick always, twirl. Totally
2: good girls, goal and Bower,
1: who's nuts off to the stick twirl mid stride in the shootout against Toronto, and then scores. Which it looks cool for a highlight, but like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't we're biased. Those
2: goalies, we're biased, dude. You know, um, I can tell you what: being on the ice with Quentin Musty and Cam Bauer, two guys that can do things with the puck that I've never seen
1: possible.
2: When you think of Trevor Zegers, think about that with no
1: defenders. I I, I, I hate the fact that Ziegris gets some of the hate he does around the league. Nah, first he's a good
2: league. player. Let him it's go. Stupid. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's, it's good stupid.
1: for the game. Well, you see, you see in the NBA these, these alley-oops and the dunks and some of the stuff that they do during games. That's and we, we highlight it. Like, well, Why can't hockey have that? It's just like it's stupid. Hockey
2: should. We need
1: to grow the game. Yeah, you need to grow the game, and guys like Trevor Zegers are going to help. Well, you know
2: what is? it is? It's the old man. It's the old fucking old hockey yep. writers that are so afraid of change, and, and, and they remember watching in the 80s and 90s when people played with wooden sticks and couldn't do shit like that. They're afraid of change. They're dinosaurs. And I, I don't know. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm a big zegras fan. I think it's good for the game. Yep. I think it's just scary as goaltenders. And as a oh, goaltender coach working with my higher-level goalies, I have to prepare them for stuff like this, right? It, it, and, and you
1: want to know what, man? Like, they do it like that. They just do it like that. It's not like the, the Michigan back in the day where they have to go down and pick it up they can literally just scoop it within a, with a split second and a, another split seconds later. It's the nut. They don't even really like,
2: need to scoop it. Guys are able to literally pick up a flat puck and they know how to just, yeah. It's wild, team, man. Great I see it every day, dude. Oh, every yeah. time Musty and uh, Bauer shoot for me, which was today. I saw him do it five times. Um, and I let them do it
1: because these goalies, I'm preparing them for the future where we're only going to see more of this. Yeah. Um, and- it's it's so hard. To, well, it happens so fast in game. It's so hard to like. You have to you have, you have to literally notice it as a goalie, the second it's happening to prepare for that.
2: So the you hit the net, the nail on the head. I teach my goalies the only way that we can stop these things actively, whether it's a Zegers flip over the net or a Michigan, is being able to see what's behind the net. Too often goalies drop into the reverse VH, VH, yeah. pad leg down, post leg down. And they don't see the puck. So, yes, they're preventing the wraparound goal, but they're exposing, um, you know, the that top corner of the Michigan or the the any pass out. Um, with that being said, before my computer dies, uh, quick Jeremy Roenick story. Uh, I was able to participate in the Bob Probert Memorial Ride, um, the second annual one. This was back in, um, what is it? Um I don't know. Let's just say 2011. Uh, I ran into Tony Amonte, this being the Jamie Ronick 97th episode of Two Boys, One Mike. I ran into Tony Amonte. He was with Doug Gilmore um, at uh, the day, the night before this event. Like everybody that's involved in it, all the pro guys and us Spitfire guys were invited to the bar. Um, I go up to my old coach because I played for Gilmore less than a year and a half ago, and I didn't recognize the guy he was next to at the bar. He's like, "Hey, I'm Tony. This is uh, my goalie, Cully. Uh, I, you know, I he's here in Windsor now. I coached him the other day. I'm like, Tony, man, back in NHL '97, you and Jr. were <laughs> like my guys, man. You, 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 uh, you're my one of my heroes. And fucking, he was blitz, but he turns and looks at me. He said. Cully, wrap it up, wrap it up twice. And I looked at Gilmore. I'm like, D- D- Dougie, what's that about? He's like, he he's paying like 120 20 grand a month in alimony. So <laughs> twenty little shit like that. Um, I'm sure Amanti has no memory of it, but I remember- guys that we grew up idolizing for me to meet him and say he's my hero and for him to tell me to wrap it up twice. Yep. Uh I thought it was funny to admit. I, I, I remember
1: he played a game. Episode. I want to say it was a game against Buffalo. I'm not sure if it was in Buffalo. Veronica got high stick like three, you know the story, like three times. He had to get like stitches three times in one game. And after the third time, he looks at the ref, he's like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? What are you watching? And then he picks the water bottle and throws it at the ref from the bench. I was I'm almost positive it was a game against Buffalo. And another time. Obviously, we always in the All-Star games, which are boring as they are, um, it's you know, there's never really any physical contact, just like the Pro Bowl. There's no really no hitting. Uh, they don't want to see anybody get hurt. But um Ronick didn't care. He would hit people, and on three di- in three different games, three different all-star games, he hit the same player all three times in three separate games, and all th- that player all three times was Alexi Jitnik, former Sabres defenseman.
2: Feel it, Jitnik. With that being said, we have a tremendous slate of hockey. Like we said,
1: RJ's final call call. is
2: Friday, eight thirty, Vegas and Dallas, the Tuesday, the twenty sixth. I don't know when this is going to be released, but a lot of playoff implications there. Also, keep keep an eye on Nashville's uh, game against uh, Calgary tomorrow. Um, and then you know, Vegas closing it out with Chicago and St. Louis on the road. Yeah, Nashville closing it out with Colorado and Arizona. Um, it's gonna be interesting. And and we'll finish with this in our pregame notes, and this was obviously before the league went to 32 teams. I was almost positive that you played teams in your conference four times, which how it used to be two home, two away. We discovered that if it does go head to head. Vegas and Nashville. Vegas won twice. Nashville won once. They only played three times. Something I didn't know, I'll pull um, from PTI, the old paper throw, which was (laughs) off camera, which was tough. My Mac will sleep soon unless plugged into a power outlet. So will Coach Cully because he's back at it tomorrow. Dwayne, any last thoughts?
1: Uh just excited to get to episode 100. Already uh, confirmed guest Andrew Peters will be on for us for episode 100. We will
2: we'll have, have a stud if a after the season's over, uh leading up to the draft, we'll have at some point on um 2023 or 24 um draft prospect um OHL first overall pick. Yeah, not a big deal from Hamburg, New York. Uh, first American taken in the OHL in a long, long time. Um, played against guys like Connor Bernard, who's, you know, his whole life. And, um, you know, played against Shane Wright, who's supposed to be the number one pick this year. Uh, this season was in the same division as him. So it'll be interesting to have Q on. He's a good friend. I love the whole Musty family.
0: Yeah,
2: um, His younger sister is one of the best goalies that I've ever seen. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, Mac Musty playing for Team USA Olympics in the next ten years. So, um, for Dwayne Stunell, I'm Johnny Cullen. Dwayne, if you need a case, where do you go?
1: Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Boulevard. Uh, you should get over there for the few remaining Sabers games. So go pick up a case. Tom, two goalies, one Mike from Trainwreck Sports sent you. And uh, you know, three words, buddy. Let's go Sabers. Yeah, let's finish out the season hard. You guys will have us
2: back uh, before the playoffs start. Uh, Can't wait for our annual playoff preview show. And uh, good night to everybody. Stay safe and
1: uh, stay beautiful. Thank you, RJ.